0: Fork Tales, a podcast that feeds the food and beverage world. ForkTales is brought to you by Favone Group and Vigor, a branding and marketing agency for restaurant, beverage, and hospitality brands.
1: Learn more at VigorBranding.com. If you love what we're serving up, please give ForkTales a five-star review on your podcast service of choice. Think of it as a tip for good service. Hello, everyone. Today's guest is a, a self-described technovator and someone I've known for a long, long time, a good friend. He's Rob Grimes, and he's the founder and CEO of the International Food and Beverage Technology Association. Uh, Rob also has other uh, businesses he's tied to. And he'll talk a little bit about that. And uh, he's obviously not in his uh, house unless he has a casino and slot machines in his house. He's in Vegas. So uh, obviously, uh, you're at the CES show. Uh, welcome to the show, Rob. Uh uh, let's hear a little bit about you.
0: Thank you. Well, listen, uh, yeah, I'm in Vegas. And um, unfortunately, since we're doing this uh, on a webcam, I can't tell you that what goes on in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> but I can tell you that I got elevators behind me. I got a Starbucks over that way. I got slot machines over that way and the front desk over here. And When I come out to Vegas, I still get up my normal time, which is about 4.30 in the morning East Coast. So I was up early. And so you just (laughs) never know what you see coming in and out. So I cannot be responsible for anybody getting out of that elevator or going in the elevator. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so that's why I am. But I am here for CES.
1: Very cool. Well, you know, depending on who comes out of the elevator with whom, this might be the most watched podcast of all time. So I'm pretty excited about it. So anyway, I've heard, I mean, you you, you call yourself uh, the, a technovator. You want to talk a little bit about that?
0: So I don't call myself that. That's sort of a name that was given to me. Um, <laughs> now, I've been called a lot of things, uh, but uh, I thought that was sort of uh, interesting. And I think it was a combination of putting technology and innovation, which is what I spend most of my time looking at, uh, but at the same time sort of the entrepreneurial side of helping tech, you know, to uh, come along. So I just it sort of stuck. So I used it. And um, but uh, anyway, so it's really the combination. Uh, I'm not really a highly technical person. I can't program. I can't do things like that. But what I do do is I spend my time in uh, technology trying to figure out and forecast where I think it's going to go. And then certainly try to predict new trends and sometimes see new companies, which is actually why I'm out here at CES.
1: Very cool. So, I mean, a little refresher uh, for those who aren't familiar with the International Food and Beverage Technology Association and what you and your team do. uh, The IFBTA promotes the use of technology within the food and beverage industry, Uh, considering the constant advances in technology. I mean, you and I do trends presentations. We speak on trends and what's going on in food and beverage and technology. uh, And it's just technology. I mean, it's just, that's always the trend. It's always the topic. I mean, you know, it's a massive undertaking. How do you begin to focus on that objective?
0: Well, uh, gosh, you know, that's such a big um, that's such a big subject and it's a very large question. So I have blinders on. So my blinders focus on technology as it relates to the hospitality, food service and retail industry. So you can't look at it all. But, you know, I'm very focused on how technology putting aside my own personal interest and my own personal things that I like to use and do besides that. Um, you know, I'm very focused on how technology might work within our industries. However, what I've learned recently, and I got a feeling that maybe 2024 is the year that yours and my worlds actually collide uh, or combine. And I'll tell you why, because the word technology is changing. And so as I go see technology, even here at CES, like today, there's a food tech zone that's going to be about technology of food. How do you cook it? What type of foods you have, that is technology. Yet most people thought technology in my world was point of sale and kiosks and drive throughs. And, but it isn't. And your world working in the CPG world, working with a lot of food products, that is technology as well and how it's going to be prepared and where it's going to be served. And so I think the interesting thing about it is that technology is evolving as a definition in hospitality, food service and retail. And that's sort of a very exciting thing to see.
1: Yeah, I think mean, there's no question. <clears throat> I mean it's it's a part of everything we do. And uh, you know whether it's the the marketing and uh, restaurant world or if it's in the CPG world it's just it's it's uh it's just uh, paramount to be on top of uh, But I've changing. enjoyed
0: the trends that you put out every year and you put out that report and you're really talking about food trends. That's something I have to study more now because as those trends are there, how that food is delivered and where it's delivered and whether it's a fresh food vending machine, which nobody ever thought that they could do that or something, you know, all of a sudden what you're putting out in the trends in food, I need to actually follow in the trends in technology and put those things together.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. So, like, I've heard you say you're a restaurant manager first. I think it's awesome because uh, you worked at Bob's Big Boy. That's where it all started. And so you're seeing needs. You you know, obviously, it was a long time ago, and technology has just evolved. So uh, how does that all tie into tech? How did you end up in tech from that start?
0: Um, I always believe that, um, you know, puts people in the right place at the right time. Nobody expects to do what they do. And when I talk to students today in hospitality schools and I tell them to do like a focus chart, I tell them your focus chart can't be any more than a year or two out because your life could change, you know, based upon things that happen. So I did start as a restaurant manager, Um, actually Roy Rogers, then Bob's Big Boy, both owned by Marriott uh, at the time, and then Marriott Hotels. And then I got asked to do a systems project. And it was supposed to be like six months, go to Marriott headquarters. I was working in in, uh, a Marriott hotel as an assistant restaurant manager in Washington. And it was a six month deal. Come Come to corporate, help us on a systems project. We need somebody who understands operations. And then when you're done, we send you back and you get promoted to restaurant manager. Well, without totally getting into my age or where I might have been at the time, the world of the PC and I collided at Marriott headquarters. And it came out. And so you didn't have to be a programmer anymore to do technology. And so I took over point of sale for Marriott globally, some PMS, and that's actually how I got started. But I was like the first one at corporate headquarters to have a mobile phone. It was in a bag. It was a bag phone. Mm -hmm. Very funny. Uh, But and I had to convince my boss to pay for it because you had to pay $3 a minute for (laughs) airtime. I told him I was going to use it for support. But uh, anyway, so I was able to marry two things together. My love for operations and restaurants, which I still am involved in, and then the tech side of it.
1: Very cool. Very cool. And it's, it's always neat how that all kind of comes together. And, and you know, I, I just got, I was talking to my daughter this morning. I said, Hey, look, if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. So if you find things you're really passionate about, you can bring them together and really kind of grow in that. It's just uh, it's wonderful. And we're, we're very lucky for People that. People should
0: always do things that they're mm-hmm. passionate about. Yeah,
1: no question. And so you, you said it, you and I both end up speaking a lot of the same things on technology, you technology mostly, and me food and beverage, uh, CPG, Uh, and restaurant. But then, as you said, they come together. So, the last couple trends presentations I'm sure that you've talked about, that I've talked about, we talk about things like drone delivery and robots in restaurants and you know is there a day that pizza and and, and Chinese food is going to be delivered by drone and uh, you know some of the stuff sounds pie in the sky but but really the way technology is moving it it not necessarily is is. that a play on
0: words pie in the sky there you go
1: there you go pie the pie maybe that should be a company our next company the pie pie in the sky we'll do pie delivery
0: (laughs) yeah could be pizza pie there you go um You know, it's funny, uh, certain terms and technology become very popular over time. And so what I tell people is the way to know what's popular is you go to a trade show and it can be an industry show. It can be a general one like CES. And what I always do is I look above the aisles and the aisles have signs and they point in different directions to zones or places you can go. And I look to see what are the big words that are being used. So many years ago, it was one to one marketing or big data was a term out there you know drones are so, so drones and robotics are sort of interesting now I'm really shocked that you didn't say the word AI because that is the term right now and I'm getting yeah. a little tired of it but yeah but that is the term right now however here's an interesting perspective for you about drones specifically I have said for years that I didn't think that drones were actually going to be the end-all uh, method of delivery I think they were showy and I think that they were things that people tested and they showed the pizza coming up and dropping it. Do I think that drones will be used to deliver to remote places? Yes, as long as you can get the distance, you know, that you can go ahead and control the drone uh, and as long as you can deal with um, air traffic control seriously and things like that that you have to deal with. But their payload isn't heavy enough to carry really a lot of stuff and you're going to have food quality issues. Okay, where I really thought and you'll get the punchline on this in a second. What I really have always thought was gonna be the method of delivering stuff was autonomous vehicles. Whether a vehicle is just a little bot that goes on a campus or whether it's a car that drives itself, that's where I thought it was me. So, here I am at CES. Do you know that for the last two to three years at CES, putting aside COVID, that when I went to CES, there was a whole section on drones? Mm-hmm. Hmm, interesting. I haven't seen that section yet. As a matter of fact, when we get off this podcast, I'm gonna look it up because I don't think they actually have it as a section right now. Now, robotics is clearly a section that's here. So I think the concept of drones may have been more of a fad than a trend. Now, do I think that drones are gonna be big? Sure, because anybody following current events knows the military uses the drones. And that is usually how things get their funding. So I'm not so hot on the drones for delivery. I am very hot on the autonomous vehicles, even hotter now that I go to CES. There is a whole room It's CES of electric vehicles and half of those electric vehicles that are there, probably more than half, are showing autonomous Mm -hmm. driving, including how to equip a current car. But not only that, they have smaller vehicles that are autonomous that can do it for delivery. That's the way I think that uh, you know uh, delivery is going to go uh, through autonomous vehicles, um, and the drones are going to be out there. And then you talk about robotics. You know, I also believe in robotics. I think that we're really going to see it more in the back of the house than the front of the house to start for food preparation. That's very clear here at CES with robotic uh, baristas. Uh, uh, there's going to be at the NRF show next week a robotic uh, pizza maker that uh, is being used by Walmart. But those are all back of the house. What you don't see is a ton of robots being used for delivery of food to tableside. Now, United Airlines put it in their clubs, but it's mainly to be an assistant to somebody. Take away dirty dishes or bring something out. We're not seeing that kind of robotics yet. We will. But I think that we will see robotics in the back. So those are two Huge technologies, you know, the autonomous and the robotics that I think you know will make a difference to us.
1: Yeah, and, and let's face it, with uh, you know talking to all the restaurants uh, and chains out there, I mean, getting employees is a big deal. So uh, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. The the back office, uh, the back-end robotics uh, is certainly uh, important to, to, to help them with their business and keep their business rolling. So uh, I think that's that's a it's a really good point that you make. Um, so well, comes-
0: robotics allows us. Robotics allows us. To also open up smaller form factor or self operated, um, things. And I actually consider vending to be robot, uh, robotics in a box or restaurant in a box. That is robotics when they're preparing fresh food, hamburgers and pizzas mm-hmm. that are made fresh in a vending machine, not, not something, you know, frozen and microwaved or whatever in there. So it's not so much about solving the employee problem. It actually is a revenue generator for opening up new units.
1: Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Well, so when we talk about back office or in front of house, back of house. When it comes to restaurant tech, I mean, obviously, there's front of house technology. Uh, There's the stuff that consumers see. There's the back of the house kitchen technology. Which one is growing faster and and which one is more important do you think that the restaurants jump on board?
0: I think that people will adopt uh, back of the house more. And a lot of the technology is in the back of the house. Um, if you want to talk about employees, you know, it's funny. I uh, saw somebody yesterday, a company out of China, out of Taiwan, and they were doing simultaneous um, uh, translation with earbuds. Now, I've seen this before and I've covered this before, but it always needed a phone that you had to go through the phone to the earbuds. This one did not need that. So we're really getting to the point of like Star Trek or something where they put the earbuds in and you're just instantly talking, you know, conversation with somebody. And it's instantly being translated. So I asked the guy. You know, what's your use case for this? So half the people I talk to here at CES, they're all on the consumer side. They never thought about doing anything on the commercial side. So we start talking. Well, he tells me that HoneyGrow is using it in the kitchen. Why are they doing that? Because they have workers that don't speak English. And so what they're doing is they're using it in the kitchen to train and to do a simultaneous. Now, that's the only one in the U.S. that's doing it. They are doing it a ton of them over in China and other places. So... I see a lot of technology being used in the back of the house to help uh, prepare foods, uh, to do ventless cooking like sous vide cooking that's out there. Uh, I see technology and how the screens and the orders and communicating with the staff in the back of the house, being more efficient uh, for doing runner systems and things. The front of the house, the biggest technology change I see in the front of the house, besides having customers do their own ordering, which is in certain things, is really to do the handheld terminals, you know, for taking the order at tableside and the payment is almost, if you think about it, it's almost like the biggest technology change there is, but most of the changes in the back.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense. Total sense. So, you know, it's interesting. You're at CES restaurants, uh, Nation's Restaurant News predicts that 2024 will be the year that restaurant tech industry shrinks as smaller tech startups either shut down or get bought by larger players. Uh, is that, do you think that's a good thing? I mean, cause I, I will say on well, this podcast, I mean, I can have a, I can have a, a new tech uh, concept every week. Cause there's just so many of them out there. They just, it's, it's they're everywhere. And I'm sure you're aggregating it. You're understanding it. You're, you're managing it. You're wa- looking at it. So I'm sure you see the same things. Do you think it's good that that, that industry shrinks? Um, what, what, are, what are your feelings there?
0: So, uh, you know, so as you know, I have a podcast called Accelerate, and I've covered this issue a little bit when I talk about all in one systems versus best of breed, and all in one is where you get everything from one company. Best of Breed is where you focus on specific areas. Mm-hmm. I think um, the uh, IFBTA also has something called Exchange um, and which is being released next week, which has about six hundred different vendors in it, uh, you know, not not paid vendors, just sort of listing. I think what we're seeing is a lot of innovation, but the innovation is very, very focused innovation. Like it could be the, the the headsets, or it could be the displays, or it could be you know payroll or training or point of sale or loyalty. And so there is consolidation when you have something that comes out of the blue that takes everybody by storm, and the big guys sit there and they go, "Oh, we missed the boat." I will never forget an FS Tech panel I did where one of the major vendors said, we missed the boat on online ordering. There are now over 30 companies, and this is years ago. He said, there's over 30 companies that are doing this now, and they are basically point-of-sale companies because they take payments, and, and they can do an order. And they said, we missed the boat, so what are they going to do? They have to have online ordering, so they go ahead and they, they purchase and consolidate the companies. Sometimes it's a matter of two companies that come together that have very specific focused technologies, and you have to put them together to make it work. Like one has this, one has that, and you put them together. So I think it's good. We're going to see a lot more innovation, though. I don't think we're going to see as much shrinkage. And part of the reason for that is the hospitality schools uh, are now offering innovation and entrepreneurship as a course. Even Great. Penn State. where mm-hmm. you know, Even Penn State's doing that. So um, – I think we're going to see more because software is a lot easier to develop than hardware, and we're not hardware dependent anymore. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that I agree with that. I hadn't heard that, and I don't know mm. that I agree with that.
1: That would be interesting. I mean, what are, you, what are you seeing at CES? I mean, I know it's only been one day so far. Is there anything that's really standing out, anything new that you want to talk about?
0: Yeah, the general observations of CES, and I'm going to have to look for the statistics on this because I'm not exactly sure. My impression right now is that CES is not as crowded as it has been number one in the past. I know that wasn't your question, but,
1: no, it's you know, interesting. but
0: it also could be because Las Vegas opened up a huge new uh, convention center as part of CES. It's connected, and I think they spread out more. So one of the two things that I've noticed last year and this year, is a whole pavilion on vehicles. And and when I say vehicles, every electric scooter, car, truck, up to big deer, you know, big deer farming equipment, is electrified. They have their own building, which is amazing to me, with all the EV that's in wow. there. And we're not talking about autonomous vehicles now. We're talking about all of the, even even Amazon. The other thing I noticed is the really big companies that traditionally do CES now have two booths. So... I see LG Electronics, who I normally see in the main building doing video displays, you know, and phones, mm-hmm. now has a separate pavilion in the automotive place where they're showing their cars. Wow! So that's two. You know, the expense is is amazing. So I see. Um, so I think it could be because you have so much more space that it makes it look like it's not as crowded. But I bet you when the stats come in, it's probably as crowded. Um, I haven't gotten to the wearables area yet, which I'm going to do today. And there's actually a food tech area there. Uh, and I'm also looking for what's in the home. I'm a little bit surprised. I haven't seen so much in the way of glasses right now. In the past, uh, VR – I went to the gaming area yesterday just to see what was there. Uh, the VR and the glasses are not as widely spread as they were in the past. I know that uh, Meta got a lot of uh, play with the um, – with the uh, glasses that came out from Ray-Ban early this year. I don't view those as very functional because there's nothing on the screen. It's basically a GoPro in a uh, in a nice looking glass. So I'm looking mm. forward to that. So I was a little surprised I didn't see much of that. Um, the health and wellness area, I'm not seeing as many watches and things as I normally would see. Um, and the robotics, I am seeing robotics uh, here for sure. Um, there's a lot of robotics, as they relate to showing mechanics of how they can start to become like a human. So a robotic dog was very interesting. I saw that in several booths. But you always look for those surprises that are here. But there's nothing so far that's jumped out at me except maybe what has been missing.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, you want to talk a little bit about the IFBTA. I mean, this is uh, something near and dear to you. I mean, uh, talk about that a little bit. What's, uh, what what is IFBTA going to get from this show? What are you hoping to do? What are your members like? Talk about that a little bit.
0: Well, our members, so, you know, the IFBTA, the Food, International Food and Beverage Technology Association, you know, uh, we have a number of different missions. We are not a uh, lobbying organization, although we work with many. So our mission is to promote food and beverage technology, which at the beginning of this podcast, we talked about maybe having a change in definition, um, expanding. To promote it, to provide education and networking for our members globally. And so that means chapters, that means education, like our certification program. Uh, that means events we do at certain uh, industry events where we bring people together who are interested in technology. But it also means partnering with the industry uh, owners, so to speak, the associations like NACS uh, for convenience stores, or the NRF or the NRA for restaurants. Uh, you know, Just uh, partnering with them, the American Hotel Lodging Association, to help them to bring technology because they can't focus on all these areas. So that's our mission is education and networking of our members. And in that, we recognize that our members are really threefold. One is the individual, the small, the medium, or the independent, which is you're gonna find in every state. Then you have your mid tier and your enterprise, which wants something different entirely. And then um, you also have the supplier community and you have the other people that are sort of friends of the community that do things. So we really have to fill a role Uh, for all of them that are there. So my mission here at CES is everybody can't be everywhere. Although I saw a whole contingent of McDonald's going by on a guided tour yesterday. Uh, So not everybody can do that. So I see my role here and a couple other people here as being sort of eyes and ears to predict Mm -hmm. what's going to happen or what we should be looking at and then focus on bringing that to the companies at things like NRF or FSTech or Mertech or the NRA show or, or places like that. So that's, you know, that's really uh, the role and the role I play. But I will just point out one other thing to you that I believe that you can't talk about technology, really, the best way is to show people technology, to show them how it's being used. And coming up live on our website today, tomorrow, certainly by, by Monday, you know, you're going to be able to actually talk to me on the website. But if you saw me at NRF next week, I would be this stand-up hologram that you could talk to. And I can answer questions for you as if I'm doing it right now, which is a great way of doing it. So we're going to put that kind of technology to use on our own website uh, and other technologies because we want to be able to show people realistically how it can be used without going cutting edge. We want to be or bleeding edge. You know, we want to show them the realistic use of it. So that's really our role.
1: Yeah, you're trying to bring the, the stuff that's way out there closer home so people can see the actual uses, how they can apply it, and everything else. And that's brilliant. I mean, you bring a, a and lot I'm, of i
0: cheap like everybody else, so I don't want to spend a fortune on it, so I want to work <laughs> with technologies that exist.
1: Very cool, very cool. Do you want to talk about your other businesses, anything like that, or is there anything else from uh, what you're seeing at the show? I mean, you know, as we close this out, like, what are, what are some of the things you want to maybe mention?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, I am involved in a lot of businesses. I think I've sort of lost count over time, but – Personally, I believe I've been involved in about 80 different businesses, uh, but that includes multiple variations of the same business but in different geographies around the world. So, you know, I've never sold any hardware or software at, ever. I've always been more of a services kind of person. So today I still own a uh, Constrata, which is a consulting company and a services company that does uh, deployments for people acting as their internal staff, never want to sell. Uh, I don't run those day to day. Because I certainly don't want any conflicts with the IFPTA, which is totally impartial and open to all. And mm-hmm. uh, everybody's equal in the IFPTA, all the operators, all the suppliers. And then, um, you know, I spend some time on some other entrepreneurial ventures trying to help people. But again, those swim lanes, the Pasta Food Service, retail services in technology. If it's outside of those lanes, I probably uh, shouldn't be doing it. Um, I am very excited about next week. Uh, where we're going to have for the first time a food service innovation zone at the national retail federation show at the Javits center. That is a huge show it is a, the whole Javits center. What I find fascinating every year is the bookends and I will do an article and I will do a podcast as I do every year called uh tale of two cities. Vegas is the first one with CES and is the second one, which is retail and it's really all retail. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I spend my time just looking at these things, whether it's Constrata, the IFBTA, or just my personal thing. I will tell you one thing that sometimes when I talk to people you know, about what their preferences are in tech, I always like to get a feel for it. And so I'm still trying to figure out how I become that tech influencer. So Samsung will just give me one of their new tri-screen phones <laughs> that they still haven't brought out after showing it two years ago, but they should just give it to me so I can go ahead and use it. There and just show it to people, like, how to use it. So that's the one thing I have yet to achieve.
1: Yeah, you are kind of like an old-school influencer before influencers were cool. That's for sure. There's no question about that. <laughs> now, it's, so now a couple of personal things here. So talk about this polar plunge thing. You do this every year. Why do you do it? How many How many years have you been doing this thing?
0: Uh, four years. So the polar bear plunge in Margate uh, on the Jersey Shore, since I'm from Philadelphia, I've had a house at the Jersey Shore. Um, I don't know. It was just sort of an idea to – run in and uh you run into the water you got to dive because you got to get over this year it was like really cold normally it hasn't been so cold and uh it was really cold and you had to run out far enough it wasn't deep enough to do the dive because the waves weren't coming in so i had to go out and i'm like coming out of my ankles and my shins are like just numb but i've been doing it for three years maybe nice. four and um it's like three thousand people they do it all over the jersey shore you could actually do one like at 10 o'clock one at 11 one at 12 and one at one uh yeah. but uh it was just something to do it just yeah. seemed like a good yeah. idea at the time
1: I, I i too i go to the jersey shore and i don't even go in the water in uh, july because it's still too cold so i have no desire whatsoever to do that but it's i do want to point
0: out to anybody listening <clears throat> to this podcast we don't go to the beach we're going to the shore and I want to make sure you know that there is a beach at the shore, but we go to the shore.
1: Yep. I totally get it. That's a Philly thing. So last question. I I asked this of everybody. If you had one final meal, what would you eat and why?
0: A final meal. Um, well, I mean, I'm a huge steak fan, but that's like what every prisoner orders for their last (laughs) meal. Right. So I'm not so sure I want to, I want to be there. Um, a final meal that's like really a, a tough question i'm sure it would be something it would be something like a steak of some sort uh that was out there just because i just happen to like steak houses and steak is there a particular steak it, might be a plant, that you love? it might be a plant it might be a plant-based one by the way over time i did have just just a note i love having conversations with people so i had a conversation at a function last night with this guy who told me he went vegan and he asked me what I thought the future of vegan was and whether people would adopt it over time. And my response to him was, this is about tech and food tech. I said, Hey, listen, who would have thought 10 years ago that you could go to a Burger King and get a Whopper that you might not know the difference between a beef Whopper and one Mm -hmm. made of plant. So my view over time is that steak that I'm eating. And I understand that Leonardo DiCaprio invested in a company that's doing plant-based steak Mm -hmm. is they're working on that. And over time, there may be no difference. And I will be eating a steak and as long as the texture, the taste, you know, the satisfaction is the same, we're gonna forget that, you know, mm-hmm. over time. And so I don't know if it'll be a plant-based steak for my last meal or whether it would be, you know, really good. I love independent steakhouses. I have a favorite here, the Golden Steer, uh, which oh, is yeah. a friend, you know, that has that. It started in 1958. He wasn't around then, but it's great. But I just like the old time steakhouses.
1: Very cool. Very cool. Rob, look, it's always uh, fascinating. It's always a pleasure. I always enjoy talking to you. I really appreciate your time. Uh, Enjoy the rest of CES. And uh, thank you.
0: Well, no, it's a pleasure. I know I see you several times during the year and it always turns out to be a good conversation. It's a lot of ideas. And actually, even this conversation today just gave me a few thoughts that I might want to take a look at. So
1: me too. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thanks, Rob.